Hello, and welcome to this episode of Helix and Gene Medical Wellness Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Sam Baluch, CEO of Helix and Gene. Today, I'm joined by our co-host, Lori Graham, our Director of Functional Medicine. And we have a very special guest today that brings a different type of outlook to the medical world. And, um, and I'm very interested to hear a lot of what he has to say. So without further ado, I will allow Lori Graham to go ahead and introduce Dr. James Kelly. Wonderful. So Dr. Kelly, it is such a pleasure to have you here. It really is. And um, I've been involved. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been involved with um, Prolon and El Nutra for almost a year now. And I can't say enough about the product. And I love the research that Walter Longo did. So your title is actually that you are the consulting medical science liaison for El Nutra. Mm -hmm. And Correct, yeah. what I'd love you to do is tell us a little bit about what you did before and what got you to this place to be sure. Like at the cutting edge of science, <laughs> you know, because well, I think it's wonderful. Yeah, it's a very, very cool product. It's a very cool company. We're really trying to push the boundary of nutrition as medicine, which is really the way we were designed. But I'll get into that in a bit. But yeah, sure. Absolutely. My background, I'm uh, an MD, MBA by way of training and education. I did a neuroscience master's coursework and then did my uh, medical training was all geared towards sports medicine, orthopedics. I did an externship of sorts in sports medicine, but never did a residency. Uh, elected instead to do an MBA in medical innovation. And that brought me out to Southern California, uh, where they had at the time, USC had the number one uh, medical entrepreneurship and innovation program. So uh, I worked very closely with a number of the people at their tech transfer division, which is long, fancy names for how do you commercialize research? They do all this research at universities and then it goes nowhere if somebody doesn't pick it up and say, okay, we have this great result. Now let's turn it into something that benefits people. So that's what the job of tech transfer is, is to kind of weed through which research is commercializable in a way that can partner with either the government or do more research on it or actually launch a product or a company. So uh, through licensure and things like that. So I got involved with Dr. Longo very early on. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with him, Dr. Walter Longo is one of the world's leading longevity researchers. He runs the uh, Leonard Davis School of Anti-Aging Medicine's uh, Longevity Institute at the University of Southern California, as well as having another longevity institute in Genoa, Italy. And he speaks around the world on a number of things. But I got to know him in 2010, 2011, um, while we worked on the idea of launching fasting centers that would educate people on the benefits of fasting uh, and guide them through multi-day fasts. Fast forward several years later, I had launched a uh, laparoscopy and an orthopedics implant company uh, out of as soon as I'd finished all my training uh, and then went to work for the Cleveland Clinic Innovations Group in Newport Beach, California. They have a, a center that's a sort of an incubation hub for several health systems. Uh, and I ran their basically shark tank for medical ideas. If you're a clinician and you have an idea, you bring in, you pitch it, and we evaluate it. We vet it if it's a good one that has an opportunity to help lives or generate revenue for the health systems, we would incubate it, patent it, uh, research it, um, design it, commercialize it, do everything from soup to nuts. So, um, and then about a couple of years into that, I got a call from Dr. Longo and Dr. Joseph Anton, who's now the current CEO of El Nutra, asking if I wanted to come help launch this product. And I dug into it, saw the research, was really, really impressed, really compelled. It kind of moved more towards the preventative side and optimization of, of the human basically sell. And they asked me to come on board as COO. I jumped at the opportunity. That was in late 2015. We launched in 2016. 
and then I transitioned into the chief medical officer. And then finally, as they outgrew my skill set, moved into the medical science liaison role as a consultant. So now I spend the bulk of my time here training and educating and uh, answering questions and trying to troubleshoot and, and also doing a lot of the business development and, and iterations on the product itself. So we've got our fingers in a lot of different things like most startups. We're in year, I think about five now. Things are really humming along. We're really starting to see the growth. So it's moving towards the rocket ship. A lot of really great feedback. We're launching a couple new products in the next few months. So uh, it's getting really exciting. But that's basically my long-winded bio. Sorry if I took up all the time. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. And, and that's very, very impressive. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a great, great path, I think, that you've chosen to get to a, not a destination, but a area within this field that I think has just an incredible amount of wide open air to it, you know, looking forward in this preventative healthcare space. So I just wanted to ask you a question, James, in that with Prolon, can you explain to us a little bit what the fasting mimicking aspect yeah. means for the listeners who don't really yeah. know what that is? That's a great question. Probably the most common one we get and probably the biggest source of frustration for a lot of people outside of the company. They say, you can't be selling a fast if you're still eating food. And really, the story begins with what is fasting. So when most people talk about fasting, they mean some sort of avoiding of some type of food. So they'll say juice fasting and I'm not eating anything solid. And I guess that's technically a fast, but that's not really what we look at. If you look at the organism as a whole, fasting is switching over from external energy sources to internal energy sources. And going a step further, it's what happens in your cells when that happens. So what we really look at is what the state that fasting creates is, because just the word fasting doesn't really benefit you. You have to drive some change that's valuable. And if you look at what goes on in human cells, after about 48 hours of fasting, you suppress these nutrient sensing pathways. So your body can tell when food is present. So when you eat protein, sugar, or carbohydrates, your body is designed to grow. It says, okay, I've got resources. Let's do something with those resources. I'll replenish my glycogen stores. I will store the extra stuff as fat. I will provide energy to power me. And with the excess or with protein and things like that, I'll construct new muscle. I will lay down a lot of new stuff. Now in modern day society, we're really good at overfeeding. So we live in a constant fed state. So we're building all the time. And a lot of the time we have so much excess that it converts to things like cholesterol and fat and bad things that end up causing problems in the long run. But if you are constantly living in that growth state, there's no reason to optimize. Like a company bringing in a ton of money, they can afford to take some chances. They don't have to be particularly efficient. They've got plenty of revenue. But as soon as resources run out, which is what fasting is, the body says, oh, I've got to do something different or I will run out of the energy that will get me to be able to pass on my DNA. So you've developed some elegant mechanisms where when you go without food for long enough, the cells get that signal and they stop growing and they turn on a stress resistant state that triggers cellular cleanup. So you get old, worn out intracellular components like the mitochondria, misfolded proteins, things like that, get recycled through a process called autophagy or autophagy, which literally translates to self-eating. And that's your body's natural rejuvenative mechanism. And it's designed, again, to keep you alive, to optimize you, to make sure you're not wasting energy, to make all the cells function the way they're kind of designed to, uh, and to get you to the next food. So it's a survival mechanism. The problem is that it takes about 48 hours to get there, to turn it on. And then it takes another 48 to 72 to get it. Most research will show you that peak autophagy of the cleanup type occurs on day three and four of a water only fast, which is really hard to do if you've ever tried that. 
So what yeah. we figured out, what yeah. Dr. Longo figured out with his 50 million plus at this point dollars of research about and 20 plus years of, of, of time spent on this is that those pathways that recognize food can be tricked. So when we say fasting mimicking diet, what we mean, and if you want to nerd out, I'm more than happy to, I love doing it, but just very briefly, the three pathways that we look at, and there are a lot of them involved in it, are IGF-1, or insulin-like growth factor one. This is the main protein-dependent, amino acid-dependent yeah, pathway. Absolutely. I think we're gonna talk about animal proteins, things like that. So IGF-1, mTOR, or mechanistic target of rapamycin, which responds to both IGF-1 and insulin and sugar and, and carbs, insulin, right. and then protein, yeah, and then protein kinase A, PKA, which is response to also sugar and carbs and unfortunately caffeine. So there is a limit on caffeine that you can drink during fasting before you kick yourself out of a fast. So, um, so we look at those three pathways and it turns out that they're not on off switches. They're more like roller coasters. You got to get over the hill to start the ride. So Dr. Longo just figured out how high the hill was. So for IGF one, you turn off autophagy at a certain point. If I just back down just a little bit, I can give you that much protein without turning off the cellular cleanup. So I can still give the body some protein, but I'm staying in that range where the cell stays in the fasting state. And then if I look at mTOR, I can give this much sugar and carbohydrates wrapped in the right way with enough complex carbs and low glycemic load and things like that. So I can trick the body into giving quite a bit of sugar and carbohydrates and keep you in that fasting state again. And then I figured out how much fat we can do. And if you add those all together, you get about 770 to 800 calories per day of plant-based protein, sugar, and carbohydrates at a very specific macronutrient ratio. So it's not the amount of 800 calories. It's the 10% protein, 40 to 45% carbs, 45% fat added together with the certain amount of the fiber and the fat delaying the absorption of the sugar and carbs. If you put that all together, you can smuggle in energy and still get all the cleanup, but preserve your lean body mass while you're fasting. So that's really what Prolon is. is when I say fasting mimicking diet, what I mean is the cells think you're in a fasting state but your stomach gets fed. So hence fasting mimicking diet. So, I mean, that's a excellent, excellent explanation and, and really makes a lot of sense what you're saying. And what post prolon, right? So now here you, here you mm -hmm. did this for five days, right? And, and this is mm -hmm. fantastic. And just to, just to go back on this a little bit, we as a company do use prolon. I just want to get that out there. And the reason why we use it with our patients in our second phase of our program is because we truly believe in this company and it's, 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 it's a phenomenal program. It's a phenomenal product. Well, and, the and, and the research and, is there. And the research is there, right? So, right. And, and you said something that I think a lot of people tend to skip sometimes. You said 20 years of experience and $50 million of research. And when someone has put that kind of effort with the knowledge that they have with an open mind to create a product that has this kind of medical research and backing to it that shows a lot of these things. It, it warrants a different type of attention for companies like us as opposed to other ones on the market. So I just want to give you guys a kudos for that. Um, I appreciate that. And, 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 and it's fantastic. So now I mean, we have our protocol and then we can get into that a bit, mm -hmm. but what do you do now that the five days is over? Like my interest as a fitness and wellness enthusiast of life, right? I've tried everything and anything you can think of and self-experimented with as detailed of a science from a medical standpoint to my body to the spiritual end of it. So I, I'm always searching to figure out, you know, specific ways to become the most optimal, efficient human being. And that's really the whole goal for me all the time. And when you guys talk about the proper distribution and the breakdown within those five days and the timing in which it takes you to get there, stay and then drop, 
Post five days, is there something that can be created from a fasting mimicking standpoint that will prolong and give specific type of benefits to a person if they're able to maintain this in more of a longevity aspect? And if not, how many times a year should somebody do a prolong and what kind of you know, results should they look for or expect if they follow this protocol? And those are absolutely perfect and wonderful questions. I'm going to give some annoying answers to a couple of them. Uh, Please do. (laughs) So there's going to be heavy caveats in all of this. Um, We're very science-based, which is the main thing that drew me to the company. I don't get paid on sales. I get uh, get paid to to teach and educate science. So um, Dr. Longo, to that end, didn't go into this to make a product. He went into this to figure out how to get people to live the longest, healthiest lives. And that's sort of where Prolon was born because the research pointed to the idea that you can actually do that. And which I think is wonderful. And just to also get it out there to everyone listening, Dr. Longo has pledged all of his shares. He is the majority shareholder and the founder of the company. He doesn't draw any salary or getting compensation for it. And all of the shares are going to uh, charity to do nutrition-based research on medical diseases like all time. So he'll never see uh, income from El Nutra, which is on a rocket ship and likely to do extremely well. So that's a big sacrifice on his part, just to show the commitment that he does have to using the research to benefit humanity. And obviously he's going to end up doing, he's, you know, do well by doing good. So, um, right, right. but, uh, but the point is he's very much devoted to having this get out there in a, in a appropriate way. And the research needs to be independent. So, so most of what I'm going to talk about now is very much, we have limited research and the research is based primarily on five days. And why do we stop at five days? The fasting mimicking diets we're looking at are between two and seven days longer for different interventions, but for general wellness purposes, beyond five days, there isn't really a huge benefit. You're going to continue to maybe burn some visceral fat if you have excess. Um, but from an autophagy and cleanup standpoint, you don't really see a increased benefit after a certain amount of time. Right. So there's really no benefit going beyond five days. And there is a sweet spot of fasting where in water fasting, it takes about two to three days to get into ketosis. And then the ketosis is going to help protect your muscles. Prolon would give you things that will help spare your muscle tissue early on in a fast while you're converting into ketosis. You'll go into a mild ketosis in in Prolon, but that's not really the goal. What part of the program actually helps uh, support the muscle? Is that the uh, l nutrient? Yeah. So there's, a couple different things. One is the nut bars have honey in them and glucose is going to provide you something to use at a level, again, carefully wrapped in a lot of fiber and a lot of fat. So we delay the absorption, but that's going to help provide energy because when you run out of glucose, the body looks for energy until ketones take over about half your production. It looks to glycogen, amino acids, and, and glycerin. So we give you glucose and we give you glycerin. The L drink on day two, three, four, and five is glycerin stabilized in water, and you drink by body weight dose, um, which is a rough approximation for muscle mass. And that glycerin provides you with what they call phantom carbons. It doesn't trigger your insulin curve the way sugar would. It's considered a sugar alcohol kind of a carbohydrate. It's kind of a weird classification, but when you're not fasting, you'll just urinate it out. Your kidneys just excrete it. So it doesn't get absorbed. That's why we don't give it to you on day one. But on day two, when you've run out of glycogen from the meals you're eating before prolon, then you can use the glycogen and we can help, I'm sorry, use the glycerin and then we can help preserve the muscle mass by giving you that glycerin. So that's one of the tricks we do in the diet. Um, but uh, in general, that's a trick I used the, to use when I competed in bodybuilding with the glycerin? glycerol. Yeah, glycerin. Yeah, that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's it hard to get really well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you have to it's get hard to get a good source. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's one of the tricks, but, but so, but beyond, so there's the two and a half days in a water fast is dangerous. Once you get past that, you're in protein sparing mode. We skip all that. So it's not as, as dangerous. And, uh, in terms of lean body mass, and then after about seven to 14 days, depending on who you are and how much reserve you have, your body will start to eat good things again. So there is a sweet spot in fasting where you're going to do the most benefit with the least amount of risk. And that's sort of the window we stay in. So in the long term, the question of what to do and whether you should be fasting, Dr. Longo is a big advocate of intermittent fasting, 12-12. He doesn't really think there's much benefit to do a 16-8. There are research studies that will show additional benefits to 16-8 versus 12-12. There are also research studies that will show additional risk in terms of gallstone formation or cardiovascular abnormalities or things like that. But more studies are needed. There's, so, I think there's too really, many factors involved in, in, in mm-hmm. those three hours, you know, depending mm-hmm. on your metabolism, muscle <laughs> ratio, there's the, the, there's, yeah. the, yeah. there's a lot that goes into it, but at the very least, the 12-12 seems to be safe and doable for most people. Um, so it's a bit where you, and for those of you who aren't familiar with it, I'm imagining most of your listeners probably are, but a 12-12 is 12 hour fasting window, usually most popularly from eight to eight overnight. Yeah. And you just don't eat anything in those hours. And then you consume all of your food in a 12-hour period during the day. So he eats two meals plus a snack. He'll do breakfast and dinner plus a snack in the middle. Um, but, you know, how you choose to eat, ultimately up to you and your, your clinician. But a 12-12 is probably intermittent fasting. Every day you're not doing prolon. And then he recommends, and we don't really have clinical data beyond the three cycles. And now we have another trial coming out eventually that's four cycles over four months meaning five days per month, and then you go back to your regular eating habits. And what we studied was actually people returning to their traditional American diets and lack of exercise. They were not particularly healthy people in our studies. They were medically healthy, but um, BMI of 27.2 plus or minus five. Uh, But the interesting thing was they were not behaving particularly optimally, in my opinion, between cycles, and they still did extremely well in our trials. If people elect to do more, they may do additionally well, but we don't have the data for me to make any statement on that. And then going forward, again, we don't have studies for long-term follow-up well, beyond about four months after. Go what ahead. do you, what do you, I'm sorry, what are you looking for when you say the studies, right? So after, when, mm-hmm. when these people do this for five days, kind then, of metabolic you know, by, yeah. right, like exactly. Yeah. What is, where are the indicators? Well, so that's a great question again. Um, the, the indicators that we look at primarily are things like we help you optimize aging. So the marker for IGF-1, there's a zone of, of sort of, right. and it shifts okay. by depending on who you're looking at. But so the, the generic term we have to use is that we help optimize healthy aging because it would take me an hour to go through the charts of what actually happens with <laughs> yeah. IGF-1 as you, as you get older and as you, yeah. which gender you are, you know, body mass, all kinds of things affect that. So, so, but it just sort of puts you in that optimal thing because growth is good, except that Growth is also rapid aging. The more rapidly you grow, the more copies of cells you use up. So telomere length shortens, you race to the end. And then additionally beyond that, as you increase metabolism and you increase division of cells, you may not increase the number percentage-wise of errors you're going to get in replication. But since you're doing more replication, you accumulate more damage. So increased cellular replication leads to increased cellular damage. So that's why autophagy is such an important thing for people who are growing a lot. So um, there's going to probably be a lot more research in the future on if you are, say, like a bodybuilder or somebody like that, there may be some benefit to doing every so often a prolonged fast of a couple of days to just clean up any of the damage you may have created. Makes sense logically. Absolutely. More data yeah. are really needed to support that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, so one of the things we look at is the IGF-1. We also look at things like weight. 
People typically lose about five pounds in one cycle, uh, mostly visceral, about an inch and a half off their waist. Now, in our clinical trials, what we did show is that you kind of need to get in fasting shape. The same way you, if you go to the gym once, it's good for you, but you're not going to look a whole lot different. If you go a couple times, you'll actually start to look different. If you do this prolonged fasting or fasting mimicking diets a couple months in a row, we showed in our, in our clinical trial over three cycles, so 15 days total, people lost an average of, I think, about 5.7 pounds. If their BMI was over 30, they lost about 9.5 pounds. Uh, but the cool thing to me was that four months afterwards, about 115 days after their last box, they still had 64% of their weight loss without changing anything in their exercise or diet. So to me, that's, uh, there aren't too many interventions a, I know of that you stop and then, yeah, four months later, you still fantastic. have 65 so that part was pretty cool. And people, again, yeah. who do make other changes tend to do better, but we haven't done really great studies long-term. We also see things like we help you maintain healthy levels of systolic blood pressure. There are a number of other markers that we generally don't talk about. Uh, you're welcome to go read the trials. Um, we maintain lean body mass, which is a big difference between water fasting and this. Mm -hmm. Some studies in water fasting show a five-day water fast can lose between 5 and 15% of your muscle mass. In our clinical trials, it's impossible to maintain all muscle mass when you do a fast. So, sure. but we maintained the vast majority. And for most of the people we looked at within about two weeks, they'd regained all of it, which would indicate that it was probably just the glycogen, which is the stuffing of the muscle. So they're not actually losing the muscle belly of the amino acids because the amino acids are a food source when you're fasting. So, so, so I know that, you know, one of the challenging things I think for people is you, you get this amazing experience in your five days. And I personally think from a, nutritionist perspective it's a wonderful platform to kind of create a new yeah Perhaps. that is one of the things we, we do we do talk right. about so right. we did post marketing surveys of thousands of our customers after one box and they almost across the board reported increased energy levels easier to make healthy choices which is actually why i use it independent of all the things i think i'm doing for myself in the long run one of the really big benefits for me is what i call the cognitive reconditioning or just basically behavioral therapy behavioral, behavioral therapy right yeah, yeah it's much easier to adopt a healthy diet after you do this. You don't crave sugars to anywhere near the same extent. You don't crave, for me, steak and potatoes. I'm from Ohio. I'm Irish. <laughs> um, but but so it's Mediterranean diet does not appeal to me until so I do prolong. Even from like yeah. a behavioral standpoint, people can maintain healthy habits, and then there's always going to be the overindulgence. So mm -hmm. in that context, doing it once a month actually has phenomenal benefits i think for people yeah well and that's where so our general recommendation yeah. disorders you know mm -hmm. not, not eating disorders. well so we're pretty we're pretty careful with uh, eating disorders just because fasting can trigger certain yes. behaviors in them that aren't healthy so that's one of the things that we will probably want to mention and i think we do towards the end we're gonna have a medical little don't do it if, but yeah. So there are some conditions, situations where you probably I'm, wouldn't want to do a prolonged right, fast. But, but yeah, I think that, that unhealthy people, behaviors around food. Yeah. So people right. who are making poor choices, it's exactly. much easier to make healthy choices. For me, I use it as a bit of a caffeine detox. Now, if you are a heavy caffeine drinker, one of the things I can tell you is definitely try and wean down before the diet because day two when you're going into transition state into fasting, even if you're not a caffeine drinker, it is common to maybe get a headache in certain cases. Uh, you may not feel great. Uh, for, for those of you, the first time you do it, if you're not prepped for it, 
if you're also going through caffeine withdrawal, that's a recipe to really not have a good day on day two. So uh, I really encourage everybody to drop it down to about two cups a day before you start. And then on the diet, you can have one cup of caffeine per day. So if you are a heavy caffeine drinker, I encourage you to have that cup of coffee. Your life will be better. No cream, no sweetener. Limit it to about 90 milligrams, which is one cup of coffee or two cups of black or green tea or six cups of decaf. So, but so there are a couple of tricks. And- talk about those too. So that's great. So, so, so what I'm taking away from this is this is a type of program that really works on compounded interest, right? So if, if you are able to, to say it. Yeah. put this in, well, that, that's how I create my training style, right? I, I have a progressive training style that's based on injury prevention, joint and spine stabilization, and it's sequenced through meditative breathing and specific movements to bring your inflammation down and bring your body to a certain point, right? Gosh, I want to go to your clinic. So so I would would be more than happy to discuss it with you, you know, off the air. But the thing I like about this is because it, it matches to my aspect of training in a sense, because I'm thinking about the way that you're putting this together and to be able to put somebody in a state every three weeks, five days like that, where you're essentially recreating and recleaning out that system so the body can level itself out again. And if, like you Mm -hmm. said, if, if someone can understand the other three weeks, how to maximize that time proper, you know, I think that's where you can really start nailing some anti-aging stuff down for real because, you know, that will not allow the hormone levels to go out of whack again, but it'll actually allow them that compounding interest with that charge every three weeks into it that can produce magnificent results over time. I, I conceptually, I couldn't agree more. Now, I, again, I'm, I'm very limited in where I go with it, but yeah, that makes complete yeah, sense yeah, to me. That's and, and that's very something cool. we are, and we're actually looking toward, so in our early trials, cause you can only, you have to knock the pins down in order. So yes. we've got about 40 clinical trials in some stage right now, but it, one of the things that we intentionally did was isolate out just what happens when you do prolong. So we didn't have them change anything else because we wanted to see just what this box does. We acknowledge that we want to do a wraparound program. We want to tell you what to do on the days in between. And to to that end, Dr. Longo does have a longevity diet recommendation around how you should eat and a general recommendation for the general population around exercise. Now, if you're looking to optimize and you want to do more, obviously you would want to talk to specialists like you, uh, have a plan that works for you, get evaluated, make sure you're not doing anything unsafe for yourself. But uh, we know that there is a opportunity to maximize further than what we're doing. So that's why we love to see how creative our partners get. This is I, awesome. I, I, I love this. Talk about um, refeeding because in a lot of the fasting circles and in the medical community, we, we you know, we talk about those biochemical changes that happen, mm-hmm. but there's the people who are really brilliant really talk about it's like fasting is one part of it, but it's the refeeding that's so very mm-hmm. essential. So could you, could you yeah. like educate our community a little bit? Yeah. Well, so, and we, again, we're, I hate to keep going back to this. We're, if, so since our, in our clinical trial, we actually did not have a refeed protocol specifically other than be careful, be gentle. Uh, the results are not really we can't make a statement of what the optimal is now based on what we've learned what we've experienced what we've seen and what we know 
happens inside the body, we don't want to undo a lot of those benefits. Now, different people are going to have different goals. If you are a bodybuilder and you're not looking necessarily to maintain the same level of IGF-1 that the very thin fisherman living in Sardinia, right. Italy has, then you are going to want a different program. There's, it's pretty tough to maintain that level of musculature eating a blue zone diet. Now, it can be done. I've seen people do it. It's just uh, we're still working on the biochemistry. So generally what we do recommend though is that you do want to, instead of like you had mentioned, ramp up those hormones right away, limit your sugars. Avoid added sugars, keep it below 10 grams a day. Don't drink sugary drinks or refined pasta or bread or white rice. Limit your, now here's where it, we get pretty interesting. We do want you to limit your animal protein. We're pretty big on that. Most of the research indicates that animal proteins by nature, literally nature, are complete. They have a lot of stuff in them. They're the most energetically intense organisms on earth are animals. Plants are not. So if you eat an animal, you get a reward. Your body says, great, you've got a lot of protein. You've got a lot of complete amino acids. We're going to build a lot. So it ramps up IGF-1 much stronger. So you go right back into a high growth state. You go right back to accumulating all the things that we're trying to slow down. So we do want you to stick more towards, if you're going to eat any protein from an, from an animal, have it be fish, if you can, shellfish, fish. If it is a land animal, they're still arguing whether white versus red meat makes a difference. Um, so, but we will say even in that, a lot of the blue zones do eat a lot of red meat. Like the yeah. Italians definitely have their sopracetta right. and all their other stuff. So, so they're not immune to that, but they do eat less than Americans do. Generally speaking, we eat quite a high protein diet as a whole. So again, depending on your goals, you're going to want different macros, but so limit your animal products in general. Um, if you're going to eat anything, low mercury fish, things like that, choose plant-based milks over animal milks if you can. But again, cheeses are part of a lot of the blue zone diet. So um, unsaturated fats from olives, nuts, avocados, things like that. So just kind of optimizing your diet, moving towards the longevity diet is a modified Mediterranean style diet with a number of other uh, changes to it. But realistically, eat things that look like food is a big thing. So a lot of... Uh, right, eat real food. Food is information. Yeah. But, but what I'm gleaning from this is perhaps... Just and I'm just talking like the first few days after, as you're transitioning, is probably a better time to keep the protein, you know, a little lower, and and emphasize vegetables. Yeah. And and also, I was surprised because I read, you know, the book, the Longevity Diet, is you know an emphasis on on grains, and for a lot of people, mm -hmm. that that can trigger um, a behavioral, you know, down down spiral down so to yeah. say yeah so yeah i mean we we do we do say more towards the we whole or whole grains you know the the brown rice the the whole wheat bread things like that if you're gonna eat the grains dr longo doesn't eat a lot of grains to be totally <laughs> frank He's, so um yeah, he, he'll eat primarily i mean he'll he, he does eat grains i'm not trying to say that he does not but but um he really likes very clean Mediterranean style uh, pasta with a little bit of pasta, but much more into garbanzo beans and, and other things like that, macadamia nuts, avocados, and then a lot of rooted vegetables, complex carbohydrates, a ton of things like kale and spinach and uh, a lot of the roughage that supports a healthy, healthy microbiome. Um, so herbs, nuts, I'm sorry, herbs and, and, uh, and flavorings are a huge part of what he does. He doesn't do as many sauces. So, but again, we're, our research is very much 
limited towards the five days of fasting mimicking diet, not the, not the diet as a whole in the long term. So, so I do want to be very clear that even if you just do this, you get a lot of cool benefits. So Absolutely. I'm, I'm big in that. But if you couple it with your program, it sounds like you can get, you can supercharge it. Well, so that's, that, but that's right. What we do is, and this is kind of where I wanted to segue into with you a little bit is, you know, talk to you a little bit about your opinion, I guess, on genetics and where we mm-hmm. are in the genetic world and how the different genes play the different roles within, yeah. you know, the body and, and how certain people have certain reactions to certain things and others mm-hmm. are completely different. And, you know, we at Helix and Gene, we created our own DNA platform. So we have our own algorithm. We did all the stuff ourselves and we take a look at specific markers for fitness and for nutrition and also for macro and micronutrients. Um, however, Love you know, it. We also understand that, you know, from a scientific and research standpoint, the what we know today about the genes is this much. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. You know, there isn't that much that we know, but we have a starting point. We have some yeah. sort of a blueprint. We know that, enough that we can make some. In, yeah. Exactly. Right. We can play with it now. You yeah. know, and yeah, I, yeah. That, so really I want to kind of get your opinion on where that world is how it leads to what you guys do or can it, or, you know, where, where do you see that forming? Yeah. So we're made of DNA that dictates everything that happens in us. DNA makes RNA makes, you know, proteins. It's so at the beginning of that, so regulating your genes. And we do know now about the fact that you can do methylation and and you can alter DNA expression. So, um, the the genotype phenotype that you can alter those throughout your life by what you're putting in and the western medical model is wonderful in some respects but it makes a couple assumptions that i think are fundamentally flawed and one is that i can i can elect to um block one pathway with one molecule and it'll have the right effect and hopefully none of the wrong effects. And, and that's really not how we were designed. So the, the mouth is the entry point through which up through up until the last 60 or 70 years, that was the way we would intervene what you eat. So I think it makes a ton of sense that if you change, you, that you can change DNA expression, you can change genes, you can alter the, the proteins that are coming out of your cells uh, and the hormone levels and things like that by what you eat you can fundamentally alter some very important pathways in the body by changing inputs and outputs. So I love that what I think El Nutra is doing is uh, we call it Nutra technology. We actually spend a lot of our attention on trying to figure out what is going, not just like, oh, if you eat the right things, you're going to do well. We want to know what's happening, what expressions are changing into that. And we do actually look at that. It's really hard to look at a lot of these things, especially over short periods of time and without huge samples. And it takes a lot of money. So we're knocking over the big obvious targets first. And a lot of our research is geared towards nutrition and disease states, but we are looking at the cells and what's happening. Why is this thing changing in our study? What is, and we are seeing that there, that fasting does absolutely change expression of genes so now how much and how long does it last and what it's doing there's still a lot more that needs to be said so anyone who knows who says they know what happens is lying to you at least right. as far as i can go. <laughs> right. so right. i mean That's i don't know right. anyone spending more money on this problem than we are and we don't know it yet but we're making yeah. good headway and we're learning a lot and we do as you noted we have we know this much 
But we know this much. So you can't ignore yeah. it. So that's right. <laughs> yeah. There's so per, I'm big into prior to joining here. I'm big into pro, uh, personalized medicine. I love the idea of figuring out the human and how it works. So yeah, and, uh, nice. I think there's a human longevity project here in, I'm actually in San Diego where human longevity is based. And there's a couple other big companies that are doing a lot of work in that space. So I love it. So I think we're getting there. I think we still have a long way to go, but right. yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're eating a carrot, you're changing your genes a little bit, you know, that's maybe not a lot, but you are. So and you know, anyway, we, people we need are, to keep that in mind. We're a voice for nutrition, exercise, and also spiritual kind of mindfulness. I love it terrain and sleep and all those other wonderful which also adds a huge scientific component to i mean the spirit like (laughs) most of our clients have moved through an exercise program with us and and they exercise pretty regularly and quite honestly struggled with the last 15 to 20 pounds it's kind of been a big mix of it's less that we have people with 80 or 100 pounds but we do that also but when people do prolon, I broke the rules because it was summertime the first time I did it. And I was very, very active. But I will tell okay. you, I have a Tanita scale. So my muscles stayed up. But what, what's the, what, based on what someone's doing before, what is the recommendation when somebody's doing the, you know, fasting mimicking diet? So that's a great question. And there is a, the best answer we have is we think the diet you're doing is the exercise for you. You don't need to do more. Uh, the things we are concerned about with exercise are threefold, and I'll tell you those in a sec. But generally, we do want you to remain active because activity does help maintain muscle tone, both in your muscles themselves, but also in your vessels. So one of the things that happens when you fast, your kidneys are used to a certain amount of salt. You're not getting any of it, and you are going to diurese quite a bit, so you're going to lose a lot of blood volume. So you may get low blood pressure and things like that. So that's one risk. And if you maintain tone in your blood vessels, they can control the lower blood volume better. So they can adapt to that. So you won't get vasovagal. You won't faint when you stand up after laying down overnight. So even on our fast, most Americans eat three to six grams of salt per day. We have about two, 1.7 to 1.9 grams per day. So you're going to lose some, uh, water if you're a typical American, if you're not hydrating super carefully. And even if you're urinating clear, you may just be drinking it and going right back out. So you need to make sure you're drinking adequate water. And it varies by person what that looks like. Um, So if you exercise, you're going to make your body deal with it better. So that's one. But we want you to limit it no more than 15 minutes of vigorous activity per day. Gentle yoga, stretching, uh, brisk walking is all fine. the three reasons we want you to avoid heavy exercise, and again, if you choose to ignore us, that's your prerogative. One, use up calories, you're gonna be more lightheaded. Two, use up calories, you're gonna need more calories, so your body may look for them, and guess where it finds them? Your muscles are full of glycogen and amino acids, so if you exercise too much, you may paradoxically lose muscle mass. Now, we haven't really seen that, but the math checks out if you say it out loud like I just did. And then the third reason is that the whole point of working out is to build muscle and to improve cardiovascular fitness. So not just bulk up, but like improve the quality of the muscle. So that releases hormones and growth factors and things that trigger that change. Fasting does the opposite, turns those off to do the cleanup. So if you work out too hard, you may release some of the things that turn down the volume of the cleanup. Again, hard to quantify. We don't have great evidence that says, oh, you did a couple push-ups, you didn't get any of the benefits. But 
those are the reasons why we want you to be careful is safety and outcomes efficacy. So, so it's interesting for both of those reasons, that. limit what you're doing. The third aspect, of, the third aspect of what you said is exactly what we preach to our people. Our program, the first three months, our Wellness 101 program, the first 43 days is, is a, it's a form of a cleanse. And during that cleanse, because we have a very scientific way of getting your body to pull from its own natural calories and burning the fat from inside and also giving you the proper nutrients, we actually encourage you not to exercise because it does. It throws off those hormones. It forces you to want to take in more food. And it essentially, we feel that it backfires against what you're trying to do in cleaning out your system. So, you know, when you're done with that and you start – refeeding sort of say and ramping up and introducing the things that come back into your system then that's when we start to put you through certain types of corrective exercise training and 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 take you step by step from there so it's uh you know i love it i'm totally with you on that in that you know when you're doing any kind of a fast or a cleanse i personally think the best thing to do is limit your movement in a sense because you want to keep your body in the most comfortable state as it can so it can be kind of even keel as it pulls from where it needs to pull from it makes sense makes a lot of sense the only, the only thing I, I do see and hear quite a bit is people who were not feeling great went for a walk and felt better. That's the one thing that I do right. hear on our diet. So, you know, I, I, I tend to say, I understand that you want to stay active. I totally encourage it. And for people who are massive workout fiends who, if they don't do their workout, can't sleep at night, there is an argument I've heard that if you just do your steady state, you're not going to the point of building new stuff and you're just maintaining. It's like in pregnancy, they say, just don't right. do anything further than what you were doing before. I, you could convince me that that well, would be but, fine. Yeah. I don't, the, you know. But those, those, those people need something different than Prolon. That's a different issue. <laughs> would you say staying aerobic would be the better option for people if movement is what keeps them sane? Generally, yeah. That's what we feel. And you know, again, as tolerated. And there are people, and that's because we offer a fairly, even by, even though we try to make it easy, it still can be considered an intense intervention for a lot of people. We do attract more of the intense biohackers, some of the people who have the, the mental yeah. focus to really dive in deep. And they're the ones who are really trying to figure out where the limit of this is. So, you know, I had a a very, very early on a doctor who said that your product is unsafe. On day three, I worked out for two and a half hours, swam a mile, and then spent three hours in the sauna and almost fainted. I was like, I'm surprised that on a normal day, you wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't faint doing that. So anyway, we've had people, and I mean, I love that. The different metabolic pathways that you were referring to before. Yeah. are really in conflict with what you're trying to do by crushing mm-hmm. things down. So it's really. Yeah. I mean, and again, that's so we just, I want everyone to treat themselves like they're fragile until they find out that they're not. So I'd, I'd rather you be more careful than get in trouble. If you feel lightheaded, don't get in a car. I love it. Whenever I read that, like avoid heavy machinery, people always <laughs> think of like a backhoe or like yeah. they're, they're operating a dump truck and this means a car. <laughs> so don't get so, in the car. What about um, any diagnostics, um, you know, anybody coming in with any type of diagnosis that should steer clear? 
Yeah. So that's where, okay, yeah. So we probably dive into those. So yeah, thank you for saying that. Uh, and by the way, one more thing. If you are doing body composition, I would encourage you, one, make sure you're hydrated because they depend on water and electrolytes to really function properly. So a lot of the time, if we do an in-body or another bioimpedance scale, if you measure them on day five or six, you get a weird result. And then you measure them again on seven or eight and you get the opposite. Up five pounds on other, uh, yeah. Which doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah, I see people who lost muscle and gained fat on day five, which is physically impossible unless their metabolic is unless they're literally their body doesn't work the way humans work. So uh, you're gonna lose fat unless your fasting mechanisms are just broken. Which there are people who have really, really, really exceedingly rare genetic disorders that that is the case. But those are one in a million. So in any case, check them again. I usually recommend doing in body on day zero and day seven. So maybe not on day five or six. So if you are checking in, you get a weird result, just repeat it in day seven or eight. Um, okay, but so in terms of medical conditions, because fasting is a new state, it's an interesting thing. We don't know as much about it as we want to. Um, if you have a medical diagnosis or a medication of any kind, you really should be going through your doctor to do this. Uh, there are medications that we worry about. I don't want to get too much into them. We're particularly concerned about hypoglycemia because fasting can lower your blood sugar, certain medications can lower your blood sugar, you put them together, you can get in trouble. And we have had people in Europe who tried to do this on their own without Prolon, they made their own version and ended up in the hospital. So uh, who had glycemic sugar control issues. So uh, we do want to be very careful with them. But in general, if you have any medical diagnosis, you need to go through a doctor to do it. If you're concerned, you should always just talk to your healthcare provider, make sure that five days of fasting or fasting mimicking diet is a good idea for you. But pregnant or nursing, you're responsible for growing another person. You don't want to turn off those growth mechanisms. So that's not a good candidate. Under 18, you're still growing again. We don't want to stunt that. And we also don't know if this works well for you. So stay out of that. If your BMI is under a certain level, if you're underweight, we used to say BMI of 18.5, but really what we mean is if you're underweight, if you don't have enough visceral fat to support this, you're going to eat more muscle mass. So super lean people need to evaluate whether they think they're a good candidate for this because they may not get the same results. The study was really not done on them. So we're still learning what it looks like for super fit or underweight people without enough muscle or fat. Um, we don't exactly know. We have a lot of good anecdotal evidence, but we haven't done a controlled clinical trial. So we don't want to base our recommendations on that. So we know a ton about it. We just don't know enough to state it from an outward perspective. And then we should also mention infection because we're in the middle of a pandemic. So Yeah, that's um, kind of where I wanted old, to lead into. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of research being done around the immune system and fasting and its potential benefits. And there aren't too many studies that are showing negative aspects, but because no one has done a study of what happens during fasting in terms of your ability to contract a viral infection like COVID, we know a lot about what happens to your body after you finish a fast. And we know what happens to the white blood cells, but there's more involved in how you get infected than just your white blood cells, the integrity of the lining of the lungs. There's a lot of other factors that play into it. And because no one's done a great study on fasting and that we're very cautious about it right now. And we say, if you're over 65, we don't want you doing our diet unless your doctor is the one recommending it to you. Uh, in which case, even then, we're not sure about it. We just don't know. But we want to be very careful with the people who are in the high-risk group for complications. If you're under 65 and you're well quarantined and everyone around you is healthy and you're healthy, now is as good of a time as anybody, as any to do it. And as we begin to ease restrictions and learn more about this, we may change our stance. Again, no real data that it makes it a ton worse. We're just wanting to be very, very careful and admit what we don't know. So, so that's where we are with this. Something, something that, you know, I, I, I want to touch up on that kind of COVID and this whole 
experience, sort of say, that we're all mm -hmm. going through at the moment um, has shown me, and, and you know, not just me, but this is the science that's out there now. There's certain conditions within the American population that this disease seems to attack, right? And these mm -hmm. conditions, um, you know, examples of diabetes, cholesterol, respiratory, hypertension, you know, these, these conditions are all conditions that in my opinion, you know, and, and we can have the argument on it, are self-induced, right, in a sense, where they can be Americans have made unhealthy choices. Right? Yeah. So, right, exactly. So, so leading into the next five years, and I want to get your take on this because you, you have a business background and a medical background, and you get to mm -hmm. experience and see this from two worlds, I think, because one of the things that a lot of doctors lack is the business mindset um, of, of how yeah, things look. I agree, know? yeah. And, they don't and, see just and, my about it exactly so so i you know in the next five years and and given where we are today preventative health care right and the state of this american health that we're in uh, where are you like give me a little bit of your brain on this <laughs> yeah i mean that's what that's the reason that I, my opinion is that everybody should be doing a five-day fast whether it's prolon or something else every couple months and they should be doing intermittent fasting every day of their lives. And they should also eat healthy and exercise. But uh, if you're doing just those things, you're going to be in a lot better shape. That's my, my opinion is from a preventative standpoint, I love what we're doing. It's the main reason why I want to do it. I like the yeah. idea of nu nutrition as preventative medicine. Now, that's our goal is to be able to get there. We don't have the research to prove beyond a shadow right. of a doubt that that's the case. So again, you're going to hear me defer to that. I, I want to be very open and honest about that. I do believe emotionally that that's the, that's the goal for me for this is to move towards validating nutritional intervention as preventative medicine and and obviously i would i don't think there's a healthcare provider on the planet at this point who doesn't feel that way so right. everybody knows that we're just putting all the research dollars behind it to try to get there and Fantastic. we're trying to build a company that can help do that so i think we're part of the solution i hope that that's i my pitch to when we interview new people is I think this is an opportunity to be part of the shift of moving back towards the father of medicine, Hippocrates, said, let medicine be thy food and food yep. be thy medicine. And we're just taking him very seriously. So, <laughs> so that's, that's, sort of, uh, that's sort of where I, I think we're heading. I, I love your philosophy. I align very closely with it. We know we have more work to do. We know we have more research to do to prove it. So I, I, I fundamentally believe it. I just got to prove it now. So. That's no, that's fantastic. And just one more thing, and, and just because out of my own curiosity. So in today's world with the emergence of functional medicine, right, which in, in is a new philosophy in a way and a new mm -hmm. way of looking at the care, sort of say, when it comes to healthcare, right? And for years and years and years, we've had regular traditional medicine with the doctors and, and you know, treating disease and figuring out here's medication for something that, you know, is, is there. And med functional medicine now looks for the root cause. You know, the ancient medicines, the, 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 the yogic mm -hmm. texts and, and, and you know, yeah. there, there is, we're in a time right now because that's, that's my area 
interest and where, you know, I, I, I always look for where modern science is now connecting to ancient science, so mm-hmm. to say. And, and there is so much now with the tools that we have and being able to measure frequencies, being able to measure specific uh, arithmetic with math and what goes on inside the body mm-hmm. to energy levels um, and, and understanding mm-hmm. the vagus nerves and the vagal tone and, and exactly where the measurements are. In all of this, now, when you guys are in the middle of a project called the Longevity Project, right, and then you're so focused on healthy aging, do you have any resource allocated to this area, or is, are you just really looking at the Western science to well, kind no, of, a, yeah. you know, break the ground from this end and maybe sneak in the back door the other end, or where is, how do you, where, where are mm-hmm. you guys on that? So we are very much on the allopathic Western side to try to make sure that we first approach the generally accepted point. But I will very, very, very immediately highlight, if you look at the blue zone, these are the longest living, healthiest people on earth, over 100 plus, and they do like 17 things. A couple of them are diet related. Most of them are lifestyle. And we have a lot of validation around the science that is currently accepted by Western medicine that shows breathing and things like that have direct impact on cortisol levels, infection rates, antibody response to vaccines. So we know very clearly that modulating relaxation is probably the biggest thing you can do for your health. So even if we ignore all of the evidence that we may have about energy and measurement and location of that, if you just track it back to generally accepted current medical practice on the Western side, massage, intention, meditation, breathing are validated techniques for that. So we don't even have to make everybody open to all of the different modalities that can actually be influenced. We can say, look, these are all same different sides of the same coin. So I try to kind of unify everyone and remind them like, There isn't a line in med school that says you can't accept that there's more to life than the chem seven and the CBC panels that we draw. Like, like there, there's no, we're all, we're all trying to affect the human body. And I think it's a very physical and energy driven thing. So there's a lot of ways to get to that. So, so I'm, I don't even bother fighting either side on how or why it works. I just point that it works. And I say, okay, let's try and integrate those. And if we can validate the how, great, but we know it works. So there's, and we know there's some things that might work too. So let's explore those. So we do do that. We do do a lot with, with um, lifestyle programs and talking about how that is a piece. Now we we try to stick to what we know and what we prove. And then we say, go somewhere else for that piece, or we may one day integrate it in. We may build a program that involves that. But at the moment we do acknowledge very clearly that that's a huge part of it. Fabulous. Awesome. So, I mean, I love what you guys are doing. Yeah. And, and, and vice versa. And you know, it's uh, so, I mean, look, we can sit here and talk all day long, but I know we're a little limited. Absolutely. We'd love to, you know, I I love an innovative ring like yours and, and, you know, we can Thank you, sir. I love you. I love what you guys uh, are doing. I'm, I'm, I would like to connect. If we were to keep any data with people we put on pro one, what would you recommend we do? Well, so, and again, there are rules around how I say this. So the, uh, what they tracked in the clinical trials were standard blood panel measurements. We looked at IGF-1, we looked at CRP, and then we did a lot of body composition measures. So waist circumference, visceral fat percentage, body fat, 
BMI, weight. So those were the kind of the, the measurements that we kept. So um, if you have a bioimpedance scale, those are nice. Their variance is about 5%. So you do have to keep that in mind. But generally speaking, they seem to be fairly accurate the more you measure and the more reproducible they are in normal times. So um, certain people seem to be wildly variable. So just keep it with a great, I think this is sort of for 85% of people are going to track right with what we saw in our clinical trial. And then about 15% are going to be way above or way below. And I do want to hear if they're way below. Those are the ones I always try to figure out. So, uh, but yeah, those are the kind of get started as we, as we advance and we have our newer trials are looking at things like um, adiponectin, leptin, um, so satiety and hor uh, hormones around cravings and satiety, as well as some cardiovascular, more advanced markers. Doing any autoimmune studies? Uh, we are doing autoimmune trials. We're doing neurodegenerative trials. We are doing um, a number of different conditions that we're looking at. But again, those products may not be prolonged. They're probably going to be a different variation that attacks in a slightly different way. So, right at the moment, we focus on general wellness yeah. in the setting of those conditions. So, you can certainly use it with someone who has those under medical supervision, but it's not going to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent them. So, Doc, I love what you're doing. Uh, you are a true inspiration, and you really this is this yes, was a so good for my ego. Podcast. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and well, because we're truthful and we're authentic, and so are you. And and you know, one recognizes the other. And you know, it's it's uh, game recognized game. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I wanted to really, really, you know, acknowledge you and the work that you guys are doing. If people want to or have questions, our listeners, we have a lot of doctors and physicians that, you know, listen to our show. Um, awesome. And, uh, you know, if, if somebody wants to reach out or has questions or anything of that sort, um, is there a place, a, a place within Prolon with El Nitra or, or mm -hmm. yourself yeah. personally, how can they yeah. get in touch mm -hmm. with you guys? Could you just give us, give us a little plug there as to what needs to be done? Yeah, sure. So if you're a clinician, prolonpro.com is our website that's designed for healthcare professionals. Um, right. And we have a, a medical science team. There's me. I have a wonderful nutritionist, Victoria Hahn, who's one of the brightest people I know. Uh, our chief medical officer, Will Shu, is tremendous. Uh, we have a couple other people that work with our group. Um, that are that are all clinicians. So uh, we have those resources. We have chat at the moment. I think things have we've we've turned off the chat on the website at the moment as we're all out of the office and things are a little bit different. But as sure. the world starts to reopen, those resources will be available. Um, I'll give you guys my email and our medical science team email. You can put it on the link below um, so people can contact us if they need to. You're Perfect. also welcome yep. to refer them directly to me. I think you guys even have my cell phone. So, uh, you know, we, we, we try to be available. It's a, it's, it's a small but growing group. We're doing a good job we're, and we're ramping well. So uh, we'll continue to build. So if you guys reach out to us, we don't get back to you right away. Please reach out to us again. It's not annoying me. I want to make sure I get to you. We do get a lot of emails. Though, so, um, but yeah, so we try to be there. We also have support for your, your if you want to put people on it, we have, we can give them a health coaching call complimentary ahead of time just to prep them what to expect on each day. You can also sign up for email that'll come in every day saying, this is what's happening today. This is what's, you know, you may experience. Here's what to do if, you know, just kind of help you get through the easy stuff. So, um, so we want to make it, it easy as, as much as we can. You can do anything for five days. So <laughs> that's right. Beautiful. He's right. You so. can do anything for five days and, you know, love the product, love the company and the energy behind it. You guys are fantastic. Um, Doc, it was a pleasure having you on the show. 
and uh, look forward to doing a 2.0 in a little while again to remeasure your success. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to I want to come and uh, see what you guys are doing a little more thoroughly. I love what you guys are doing. So thank you for all your guys' work. And anytime you're heading down to the East Coast to New York, you definitely feel free to reach out. Yeah. And I'd be more than happy to take you to our facility and go through everything that we do with you. Would love to. Would love to. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, all right. You. Great talking to you, Doc. Thank you so much for your time. Take well, care. Thank Bye. you guys for your time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Doc.